Hey guys, it's uh, Andy here in another episode of the Mountain Malarkey Podcast with Dave. Hello everybody. How are we doing Dave? Yeah, not bad. We realise that uh, when we do the Tuesday tune-in over on Facebook, um, which we've been doing during lockdown... We had some comments and requests around, um, you know, not everyone's on Facebook, but people still wanted to hear about the content. There's been some great stuff. We've yeah. talked about bags. We've talked about battle of the treks. We talked about trekking boots, mindset, fitness, loads of stuff. And we thought to ourselves, well, why don't we turn these into podcasts? Because like you said, Dave, they're, they're sitting down listening for an hour. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This is a great format. You can do it on the go, put it in your car, listen to it. It's a bit interactive, so you're going to have seen us answer questions and stuff like that. Yeah, it's a little bit different. Um, you know, but if you're listening to this, obviously, yeah. um, and you have any questions about any of the things you hear, uh, podcast at evertrack.co.uk. Awesome, Dave. Yeah, enjoy the episode, and uh, we'll catch up with you soon. Yeah, all the best. Um, yeah, well, hello, everyone. Welcome to the Tuesday Tune-In. As you can see, Andy is not here today, so we've, um, we've promoted Zach to co-host yeah, it's good, isn't it? It's good. Feels good. Yeah, <laughs> it's good. Um, Andy is not there, so the tune in is on time. That's exactly right. See, um, one made sure. Yeah, <laughs> one day we'll do like a behind the scenes like documentary, so everyone yeah. can see that it'll be four minutes long. Yeah, because that's the prep. <laughs> and at uh, twelve twenty nine, Andy's like, oh, coffee. <laughs> so that's normally what happens. Yeah, but Andy and Jen um, are actually taking, I would say, some well deserved holiday time. Um, yeah, to uh, spend time with the family and, and have a little time uh, recuperating. Hey, Ray, how's it going? Hello. So, yeah, um, and me and Zach were sitting there and we were wondering about what we're actually going to talk about today. Um, and you've heard me mention a few times that, you know, we went, uh, I, I, I attempted Tupacal one time in April last year and I failed miserably. Zach made it. Um, but then me and Zach both went back together again with Jen in December just gone. Um, I'll be honest, the main purpose was for Jen to get her first taste of altitude and for me to get the summit that I missed out on. And on reflection, we were like comparing the two times. And one of the things that we always talk about a lot was actually your first time doing it. And perhaps, I mean, it's one of my favorite films, the movie we made, The First Descent. First Descent, yeah, yeah, yeah. But what I don't think it does often is show kind of the what's going on sort of between your ears mm, <laughs> yeah you know what sort of mental struggles there are um what baggage you bring with you how that can impact the trek yeah what a trek does to you once it's done you know what yeah. what you're left with mm. and also you know your reflections on going back and doing it again the second time mm-hmm. and um and what differences it made so yeah we're going to talk a little bit about sort of the struggles and the peaks and troughs and overcoming mental challenges so yeah yeah, yeah. Your first time then, Zach? My first time? Yeah. At altitude? Yeah. No, not, not, nothing else, just altitude. Yeah, just altitude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, it was definitely, uh, it's definitely an experience. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, because I, I had been going through, I guess, a few, I was going through a bit of a rough patch at the time, to be honest, um, before um, I went on the trip. And so... I didn't really have any real, I've talked a little about, about this before, but I didn't really have any real expectations that I went on the trip. Yeah. And um, it was, yeah, I, I definitely, I definitely struggled 
not just with the physicality of it, but I wasn't mentally prepared for it. Yeah. And that was completely my own my own doing. I just I just didn't really um, put the put the time and effort into get, making sure I was in like a really good solid space. Yeah. Um, knowing my limitations, that was a a big thing that I kind of found out later on. Yeah. Uh, and uh, knowing sort of yeah how far to push myself. Yeah. Um, and so that had a bit of an effect on me um, afterwards, I would say. Um, but yeah, I think um, it's a tricky one, really. It's, it is, it's... yeah. I, I think in your defence, because you were kind of thrown in at the deep end yeah, a little bit last minute, um, and you were also working in a way. So you yeah, had a lot yeah, of, I guess, yeah. so the most people, and obviously this is some of the, you know, a little bit about the, um, the advice we're hopefully going to impart is I think mm. that, you know, knowledge does dispel fear. Yeah. And so learning as much as you can to get your mindset in the right place is really important. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think the physical training as well goes a long way to helping that. Mm. Now, I think you were clearly fit enough because you did it. Yeah, but you said you would have trained a little bit more just to be a little bit like just to get the endurance up a little bit. Yeah, get the endurance up, and then you can actually. The thing is, like when you do that, you can like it's possible to do without so much, but you can't enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're not going to have a good time if you're if you're puffing and panting the whole way. Um, which you know, it's it's really important to get to that place where it's just like right. Because I think we found the second time when we went back. Yeah. Um, I guess you, you can speak about this, but. You were able to enjoy, oh yeah, uh, you know, just just doing it, the, the journey, and you know, you could you were able to look around, yeah, and just take everything in instead of just worrying about your health. Yeah, that was a big one for me. I think the first time, obviously, these things happen whenever you travel around the world. At some point, you're going to have these grand plans to go and achieve something, and something's going to happen, and you're going to be, it's not going to happen. That yeah. happened to me in Tupcal. But you are right, and mm -hmm. I think the difference was could also be equated to like some degree of fitness that the second time mm. I remember saying to you, I'm loving this. This is great. Yeah. Like I'm having a great time and hills that I was going up um, like so painfully on the first one mm. and just staring at the ground, not looking up yeah, and yeah. just plodding along and just, just praying for the hill to be over so mm. I can rest. Mm. The second time I went there, it was a totally different experience. Yeah. And I think a lot of that was to perhaps do with the mental side and the training. Yeah. Um, I talked about it in my video before I went because it was interesting when we went back in December because it was kind of under the radar. We didn't announce it. We, didn't, right, we yeah. just went there. But we each had our own little thoughts. Like you came back from your first one, mm. like with a lot of sort of, I don't want to, I'm hesitant to call it baggage because I think it was a really positive experience overall. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. But like you said, you went in there, it was very physically demanding, you were totally exhausted. And when yeah. you come back, there's a process of rebuilding sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And I think, yeah, with that rebuilding, I yeah, because I hadn't prepared myself, I wasn't quite sure how to rebuild myself. Yeah, if that makes sense. So so that did have a knock on effect, um, you know, it, it, uh, past that point. Um, but yeah, the second time, I made a conscious effort, it was kind of not one of the the terms, shall we say, with me and my wife, Rachel. Because <laughs> yeah. when I told her that you were going, and you were like, listen, Zach, I'm going to go to Tuka again. And I was like, yeah. not a chance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not a chance. But then actually, with careful consideration and, and chatting with, with her, just 
think of the pros of it and, and, and what I could get from doing it the second time. Yeah. Actually doing the preparation for it and getting to that good place mentally, um, I could compare those two. And um, thankfully, it worked out really well. Yeah, no. Um, yeah. This is why one of the reasons we wanted to talk about it was, one, basically to offer that advice <clears throat> of, you know, before you take on a trip, particularly Tupcat, like Jerome has said there, Mate, there's a, no such thing as chicken it out. Oh, if, no, you, no. if the option you've chosen to do otherwise is the TMB, people underestimate the TMB. I'm telling you, it's a hard track. Um, but yeah, it, it's one of those where we want to help you guys understand like the best way to kind of approach a trek from the beginning. Mm. And that is to kind of educate yourself a lot about what's going to be, what you're going to be experiencing. You want to avoid spoilers, fair, but you know, and also a lot of the physical training and they really did like it was almost like a little test where we went out and you did it the first time with none of that yeah and then you went out seven or eight months later yeah. with all of that yes and the difference was night and day I yeah. Think. Yeah. Um, yeah yeah and um and yeah that and and i like that term like the rebuilding mm. because i think treks can do that for you you know that you can because a lot of people go on these treks because they want to overcome something like a physical or mental challenge they want to take on something that they never thought they'd be able to do i know i speak to and have spoken to hundreds of people probably thousands actually through evertrack who book the trek and then unload their concerns you know like oh, what if i don't make it what if i get altitude sickness what if i slow the group down there's all that sort of stuff and when they come back they're always like the, the, those are completely alleviated yeah. and i honestly think that when you when you compare the two people the person that went and all their anxieties and the person that come back that rebuilding makes people far more robust and far stronger mm. i think yeah and then the next challenge then is not so doesn't seem so aggressive yeah because you've got that sort of knowledge that background you know you've been through the mill right and you've come back stronger yeah yeah certainly is the case for mine because i'll be honest i was dreading tupcal the second yeah. time yeah yeah, I guess you, you you had kind of expectations of yourself, and you 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 needed to get yeah to that summit. Yeah, and it's strange because like I remember talking to friends about it, and like initially I was like, is it ego that I just want to get to the top? And I realized it's not ego. I want to undo and rebuild because right. I never felt like I did rebuild. I felt like I went there, everything went wrong, and I came back, and I was left sort of distraught by it. Mm. And I didn't want Tupcal to become my lot of my boogie mountain you know right, i didn't yeah, yeah. you know i wanted to love the place yeah but yeah. what you know and i didn't have fond memories of it really because all my memories were about just feeling unwell and wanting to grind right. yeah. through it so when i went back and i was able to like reach the summit with you although the summit night itself was i feel like there were several rebuilding stages just on that summit night yeah it was it wasn't an easy one like by no means it it, it was i thought it was Personally, I thought it was harder than the first time I did it. Yeah. Um, from a physical standpoint, it was just, it was rough weather. Yeah, no, I mean, rough, but... I remember, obviously, I only did about a third or half. I'm not sure where I quit on the first yeah, one. Yeah, we did see the point. We, we did see the point. And I thought I'd quit a lot sooner on than that. When we got to it the second time, maybe it just took us longer to get there because we went by a yeah. different route. But either way... I felt like the conditions that day on the mountain were perfect. Mm. You know, crampons never left your feet, which is what you want, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where we had lots of mixed conditions. So we had like rocky marbles, we had ice, we ice, had yeah. snow. Yeah. 
and it was one of those where the temperature i think the wind chill took us down to about minus 25. yeah yeah um it was strange like we started the day like i remember i only had like a base layer and like a gilet on yeah and i was sweating because we were working hard and then mm. all of a sudden we got up onto this like open area and the wind hit and the wind didn't stop for like 24 hours <laughs> like <laughs> and yeah it is absolutely have we got handy on you i've just seen someone reply into yeah, Andy. I saw, oh, I saw Andy yeah 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 <laughs> awesome hey andy how's it going he's probably have you got a um, pina colada yet or um but yeah, yeah and <laughs> Yeah, it was one of those where I remember thinking like, wow, this is this is like the most wintry conditions that I've ever trekked in. It was cool. It was cool. It was, yeah. It was, yeah, it was pretty wild. It was fun. Um, I mean, there were times I was like, man, am I too cold? <laughs> like, <laughs> like when you have to stop and take your crampons off and put them on and take them off that, and that put was, them on yeah, again. That was the trickiest thing. Yeah, that was really hard. Rachel's on the live as well. Hey, there we go. Yeah, we were just talking about we you. We were just talking about you, Rachel. I would love to kind of hear like Rachel's perspective on it, you know, find out like what level of husband came back the first time compared to the second time. Yeah. You know, so um yeah, let us know let us know, Rachel. Were you apprehensive when you went the second time? I can imagine you would have been. Um yeah, for sure. but yeah, but honestly, it's one of those things that like I love about trekking, and I've mentioned it to you earlier that where mm. I think sometimes when things are perhaps not going a hundred, well, you don't even have to be going wrong, but sometimes people get a little bit either bored with their day to day, or they want a new challenge, or they want a right. break from what they're doing. <laughs> I always find, and if you're watching this tune in, you're probably the same, where if you go away and you do like a beach holiday, although I do enjoy them and they are very nice, if what you're craving is something different, usually what you're doing, you're just putting those thoughts on hold while you're on the beach. Mm. You know, they're not really being dealt with. Yeah. And then when you come back, it's almost immediate. That's why people get the, the holiday blues, you know, because yeah. the holiday blues is coming back to exactly the same place you were before you left. Mm. When you go trekking, um, and I really felt this when I was went to Everest Base Camp for the first time, I came back like almost like a renewed person. Yeah. You know, yeah. especially on the longer treks, like if you're doing the the two like a two week one. Mm. I honestly think that um, you come back a completely different person to when you left. Mm -hmm. And I've seen it so many times over and over again where people go away. And I remember a, a friend called Stuart, who me and Andy both trekked with. Um, and he went to um, Everest Base Camp with us. Mm -hmm. And we, I met up with him six months later to do Ben Nevis. Right. When I was talking to him, very similar story to kind of your journey except so your journey was spread over two short trips right his was completed in one longer okay. trip okay and he said to me like oh, before I went away I think I was almost like on the cusp of a depression I wasn't mm. doing that well and he's come back and he said it's completely like changed his brain chemistry and his thinking and, right. and his outlook on the world and he mm. said part of that was just the mountains part of it was being in Nepal part of it was just the Nepalese people and stuff like mm, that there's a lot of factors yeah. but yeah and he said it was almost like a spiritual experience that a kind of non-spiritual person could appreciate right yeah yeah. yeah. you know no, so if yeah. you go through your day-to-day -day life and you're not you, you know religious or you don't have any sort of wider sort of you just you know you, what's in front of your nose is what sure. you deal with yeah, yeah when you go to a place like that I think the world can break through that barrier yeah. and you can kind of like be like oh my this is amazing yeah yeah, yeah um 
it's probably the only time I've ever really felt like an impact like that is being around like some of the biggest mountains in the world. Right. I swear they do have an energy. I swear they have an energy. <laughs> Carl! Spiritual. This is the whole family, yeah. yeah. But um <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely amazing. I just seen Rachel's reply I think, there uh, as well. Have. So it was a very big conversation going into the second time, very apprehensive. So glad it turned out well and that you were both able to make good memories out of a difficult first trip. Yeah. 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 I think she's kind of hit, hit, hit in a nutshell there, you know. Yeah, that, definitely. That rebuilding stuff is 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 really important. Mm. Um, now you're going to put it to the test again with Kilimanjaro in a few months. That's the plan. Yeah, yeah. I've heard that's the, well. That's a long. That's a longer one, isn't it? That's yeah, like ten days. So yeah, that'll be interesting. Uh, see the difference between that. Um, yeah, and a and a rough one on on summit night. I yeah. <laughs> It's all right. <laughs> no, yeah, you'll love Killy. Yeah. Kilimanjaro is what I remember going to the adventure travel show back in 20. When would it have been? 2019. Yeah. Um, and we're meeting a couple of customers and we said, oh, yeah, well, me and Andy, yeah, we're off to do Kilimanjaro. Mm. And one of them went, oh, my God, it's amazing. Don't talk to me about summit night. <laughs> <laughs> Look forward to that. <laughs> you know? No. Yeah, no, that, that, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that actually. And just, just, I think one of the biggest things I loved about um, Morocco and Tukal was not just the the trek, but you know, it's it's the experiencing new cultures, you know, new foods, new, you know, whatever that is. But it's it, yeah, there's something enriching for the soul about that. Yeah, um, that that yeah, really makes the experience something something different. Um, Definitely. Um, so I'm looking forward to that um, experience in other African countries. Yeah, no, it's amazing. And totally different as well. Yeah, yeah. That's what's fantastic about Africa is that every country you go to, there's something completely unique about it. Yeah, yeah. And um, the difference between Morocco and Tanzania is like, they may as well be on opposite sides of the planet. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's fantastic. Yeah. What I, I absolutely love Tanzania is the people and their energy mm. and the way they keep you going. It's right. a different experience to trekking in Nepal. It really is kind of like mm. apples and oranges. The first thing is, like, I don't know, the atmosphere on the mountain is a bit more playful. Right. Like in Nepal, not that it's taken like overly seriously, and there certainly is like singing and dancing and having fun. Mm. But when you're walking in the Himalaya, there's something about like, I don't know, it's like wondrous. Right. When you're on Kilimanjaro, like you're on the biggest mountain you could possibly be on. Right. So the view is all like directly in front of you sure. and it's, you know, it's when you wake up in the morning, that's largely the same view to the end of the day. Mm. And the, but what makes it is like, is, is the guides and the porters and the fact that they're mm. singing, they're dancing, people are like, it's like some people are playing music and not that it's all like that. Certainly there's yeah. times for quiet reflection and enjoying yourself. Yeah. But one of my favorite memories ever was when we climbed to the top of Barranca Wall. It's one of my favorite days. Yeah. You'll absolutely love it. And then we get up there and it's just like this big ledge and it just ends, but you it right at the end of it is just sky. Uh, oh, I and might you've have seen, seen the, you've the seen video. the pictures yeah, where everyone's yeah. jumping and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. And um, when we got up there, our guide Yessie started playing Long Tall Sally by Little Richard. <laughs> and I was just like, so random. <laughs> so random. And yeah, I think if I remember right, it was a bit of a little Richard playlist, because yeah. I think we had Lucille afterwards, oh, you know, right. yeah. And I was just singing like, 
where else <laughs> on the planet right now is someone having a similar experience yeah, to this? Yeah. Probably nowhere. No. Absolutely. Like, yeah. That's <laughs> what I loved about it. It was a me and summit night. Yeah, there's no getting around it. Like it's a challenge. It can it can yeah. be a yeah. well, it is a tough day. Yeah, yeah. But it's one day. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I'm really looking forward to it. It's gonna be, yeah, I mean, because oh, yeah. Joe Jody will do it too, wouldn't he? Yeah. Um, so. Is that be really cool? Um, yeah. 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 I heard you're going to get Rachel, like, you're going to surprise her with a climb, right? Well, <laughs> no. well. Yeah. <laughs> not saying anything about that. Yeah. <laughs> Rachel's, like, going to be texting you now. Um, I've just noticed as well, there's a couple of messages from people on Twitter. This is why I love doing these. So I did notice um, uh, Andrea. Let's have a look. She's high from Zongla. Um, talking about mental strength, we just did Chola Pass today. What a beast. Oh, wow. If it wasn't for the guide and my teammate, I would have never got to the top. Oh, well done, Andrea. That's nice an one. awesome, awesome achievement. You know, a lot of people talk to us about um, Chola mm. and they say that it's a beast. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's like a serious one to get up there. Yeah. And, um, and then a good comment as well from Jerome. Knowledge dispels fear, but sometimes ignorance is bliss. I did kill you without really knowing what I'd let myself in for. Thoughts? I think it's another method for doing it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it could depend on the person, I guess, and how yeah. how how ignorant they are. <laughs> <laughs> what level of ignorance? Are we yeah, about? I guess it, it does depend on the individual because ignorance is bliss, and going into something just I'm not going to say unprepared, but kind of like oblivious to the sort of pitfalls. Right. can be good because you're not going to focus on them yeah you're not going to sort of dwell on what might be you're just going to live day to day it's almost mm. like rather than ignorance is bliss i would say it's almost mindfulness yeah. you know just each day this is what i'm dealing with today i don't have to worry about tomorrow yeah yeah that's um that's it my problem is that i think my brain is slightly too anxious to allow me to get into that mm. headspace right yeah. so the only way i can achieve it is by almost doing the opposite which is just by like crazy research looking into every little minutiae of the trip over <laughs> like zach will tell you what i'm like before i go on a trip like what was the pacing like in the office oh yeah you you were just pacing around just i think you were just you were looking at a shelf and you were kind of just moving some things around like dave we need to go now yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, oh yeah we'll go in yeah <laughs> it's um it's it's crazy like I, I don't know what it is it's like a nervous yeah no i understand, I understand energy it fully like, yeah like yeah. a Particularly with Tupacal, because I just, oh, I just, I just really, I didn't want to come back. You had a lot, yeah. But, yeah. but I'm like that before any trip, though. It's like a coiled spring. Right. Like, yeah. I feel, I'm anxious about it until I get there. Yeah. When I get there, I'm pretty relaxed. I yeah. tend not to have much anxiety when I'm on the mountain. Like, I don't worry or stress about. No. Yeah. I think I was similar in that way. Um, yeah. It's, it's always the build-up. I think in any situation, not just tracks, but just, you know, um yeah it could be anything but i'm always worrying about internally worrying i wouldn't yeah. externally say I, yeah i'm worried um i think that's that's my biggest not problem but my biggest uh, obstacle that, that that i have to overcome sometimes is i don't always speak my mind yeah and so that that, that can have a bit of an effect on me um in terms of anxiety and, and, and yeah. not vocalizing what i'm worried about which should, i guess would be some advice from 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 me would be to if you are worried about things or, or don't know sort of how, how you're going to cope with things is is to talk to people about it 
um, especially because you, you know you, you you'll be in a group of people. Yeah. Um, it's really you know people are there to support each other and and you know being in a, a team of people it's just such a good support base. Yeah. Um, which I think as an introvert was was one of the biggest worries that I had. Um, the first time going to Tucal was was how I would you know mesh with people and and not being the most vocal person. Yeah. Um, you know that that can be my struggle. You see, I think from an outsider's perspective, I don't, I never see that in you. Do not. Not at all. Like I think I'm more introverted than you, weirdly, Ooh. around people I don't know. Right. Yeah. I think you're actually pretty good at like just having conversation with people you've just met. Right. I'm less like that. Okay. Yeah. I've always said this to Andy. I was I like because Andy, one one of the strengths of him is that he can walk into a bar on his own and he'll not know anyone. And by the time he leaves, three people have signed up for Killy. <laughs> like he's you know he's got a he's got a trek lined up with that guy he just met over there. Right. Like we're left to my own devices. I'll just sit there staring into my pint for four hours and then leave on my own. You know, but. But then once I get to know someone and I'm introduced, that's when I kind of relax. I think you're better at that than, than me in a lot of ways. Mm. Also, we like, I don't know if any of you have ever done tube cal, but the bedding is just like bunk beds and there's no division really. Each mattress butts up to the next one. It's snug. And we just put you between uh, Tam and Doug. <laughs> like, the, like the two Scots. <laughs> like, and uh, we were like, there you are, get to know the boys. Like, mm. <laughs> yeah, because um, the, Tam and Doug, are, they're the most sweet guys ever. I think particularly Tam though can be quite scary. <laughs> like, scary dude. Yeah, like I, I think if you don't know Tam, and depending on who you are, maybe if you did know him, like <laughs> he can be quite scary. I've just noted Jane is on here as well. Um, this is like a little family gathering for you, Zach. It's nice, isn't it? Because you know them now, don't you? Yeah, I know them now. Yeah. <laughs> so I know a really good uh, uh, singing in a rain song you can sing at the top of the mountain. He's at least three singers starting when she'll be coming down the mountain. I hope she doesn't. Do you know that one? <laughs> Like you're gonna have to learn it. Yeah. Talking yeah. of singing, actually, you um, you and Andy did like, I think it was probably just a uh, you know a relatively average Friday for you, but for Andy it was a big deal. Yeah. So you, you so you've all you've been part of a choir for a long time. Oh yeah. Your yeah. your mum's yeah. the head honcho. Yeah. Yeah. It's quite a big one. Andy has been on. He's been ever since I've known him. He's wanted to sing. It was on his bucket list. Yeah. Which I was surprised about. I know because you could just go out and do it. Any day you wanted. <laughs> I guess so. You could just go and busk. Yeah. Well, but yeah. yeah, he wanted to sing in front of a live audience, which was his big thing. Yeah. And he's yeah. joined your choir. He, he loves it. I can't be honest, it's really good. It yeah. was really good. Yeah, yeah. Um <laughs> it was it was bigger and sort of more fun than I was expecting. Yeah. I wasn't expecting it to not be fun. You need to get your rope in, Dave. No, I can't sing me. Your mum said that, and I said as long as you listen, if you want to gradually wind it down and lose your audience a hundred percent but um tech team. Tech team. yeah but tech team yeah. i told you, you know those little stands that hold the music yeah yeah you, you listening Jay? i could do that all day Jay. <laughs> you know and if you need someone to collect the tickets you yeah. want someone to pass around a, a, a you know like a donation bucket that's yeah, I'm your man. You're the guy. I've got a van with loads of space. I could fit orchestra members in there. <laughs> you know? in the but no, I will say no. It's really, really good. And <laughs> if you want to sign up to the, I'm giving, I'm plugging this for you now. I'm plugging this because I know Andy would appreciate it. The the Cardiff keynotes, Cardiff Cardiff keynotes choir. That's the one. Cardiff keynotes choir. Look it up on Instagram, Facebook, <laughs> or whatever. Go. Sign up to the um, sign up to it, and then come watch us. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, what were we talking about? That 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 is a something I've got to work on. Is the is the diversions and digressions that I get normally? Like in a meeting, I've got Jen to kind of like say, Dave, that that's great. Can we talk about that later? And then we'll bring it in. But yes, <laughs> overcoming mental challenges. Overcoming mental challenges. But that yeah. is one thing, I guess. Singing does help. Yeah, I certainly <laughs> love to have a little. Uh, I think banter, singing. You're good at the banter. Any type of like bantering, I think, helps take my mind off it and other yeah. people's. Yeah. yeah. You know, so like one of my favorite things I've ever done was um, trekking with my friend John, and we were doing Everest Base Camp, and from fact ding, I put a rock in the back, in the under it, you know, with a bit where you under some. At the bottom of some rucksacks is a, um, a zip where you put like your, your rain cover. So when he put his bag down, I put a little rock in there. And I thought at the end of the trek, he's going to have like, he's going to have so many rocks. You can have 11 rocks in there now. <laughs> and uh, actually he sussed me out on um, going up to Memorial Hill, which is a big, like, um, I can't remember the name of the pass now, Douglas Pass. Okay. And he put his rucksack down. He's like, God, this is getting heavy. And I'm like, hang on. (laughs) And then he opens it up and just just making the rocks just fall out. Oh, that is the worst. And, um, (laughs) you know, I was amused. (laughs) He wasn't. But he wasn't. But I didn't give him anything I didn't think he could handle. But, um, yeah, I reckon we should dive into some cues. What do you reckon? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Awesome. So, first one we had in was from Stuart Taylor. Um, I thought I was physically fit and ready to climb Kilimanjaro in August. Went to the Altitude Centre last Monday and had a fantastic training consultation with Nick. When tested at 6,000 metres, it showed that I had a medium risk of suffering AMS. On Nick's advice, uh, he said I should do some additional training uh, to get me accustomed to the trek um, at altitude. What would be our view? Um, So what would your view be? Do the training and 100% be ready? And deal with the possible headaches, nausea, and sickness that you would have got if you hadn't done the consultation. So what's my so what what's he asking there? What would be your view to do the training ready? Or not and deal with okay. Yeah, so and deal with so I think yeah, yeah so a hundred percent whenever so whenever you do whenever you're doing training, the goal is always try and get like hundred percent of the goal. You know, um, and although all of our trips are possible without doing any type of pre-acclimatization, it certainly doesn't harm, um, you know, your chances of success. Um, it also doesn't completely eliminate the um, the chances of getting altitude sickness. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all suffer the symptoms of altitude when we go there. So everyone will be slightly short of breath. You may get a headache. Um, you may lose your appetite. Sometimes you have a little bit trouble sleeping. Um, sometimes you might feel a little bit nauseous all completely normal and expected and it's something that we you know we expect to deal with um i personally did kilimanjaro without any sort of pre-acclimatizing um i just trained physically for it and you know did my research and and that's the same for andy and all of the guys that we had on our trip so i think to myself there's absolutely no harm in it 100 percent is the aim the altitude center really know their stuff and any additional training you can do will only help so 100 percent keep it going um yeah, I guess that's kind of answer, answered that yeah, for you. Yeah. <clears throat> um, Lee Wyatt, what's your average pace per kilometer at altitude? Gosh. Slow. 
pretty slow. I don't really know, to be honest, Lee. I'd have to consult my previous Strava recordings. Yeah, yeah. It depends on what you're kind of doing. I would say slow is the answer. <laughs> so when we're trekking at altitude, we want to be as slow as possible, and we want to try and acclimatize as gradually as possible. So we take a long time to get from A to B. Um, and for instance, with Everest Base Camp, it's eight days to get to base camp and only three days to come down. So that highlights, you know, we divide three days into eight on the way up. Um, I would say, yeah, if you're walking at the same pace you do at sea level, you're going to want to slow it down um, and look after, your, look after yourself because you're not going to acclimatize as well as if you're going a lot slower. Yeah. yeah. Um, awesome, Zach. You want to take one? Uh, I'm just looking at this one on here. Uh, for you, Dave, why was Tubcal worse for you than Kilimanjaro? Interesting question. Yeah. Um, was it worse? Oh, it's, it's a, it, do you know what? It's the first one, yeah. But mm. the reason why the first trip was tougher for me than Kilimanjaro was because I wasn't very well. So I picked up a sinus infection, something I deal with on a fairly regular basis. Whenever I get a cold, I get one. Um, and it just so happened that I had a really bad one before I went to Tupcal. So on my way to the airport with Andy, I stopped off, picked up antibiotics. So that's how soon I was taking them. Um, and I just assumed that if I took the antibiotics that I would be okay to carry on. Um, I didn't anticipate that the antibiotics themselves would have such an uh, effect on my energy. Um, so when, as soon as I started trekking, I found that it was like I was redlining straight away. So I couldn't warm up. I was constantly out of breath. I, but the real thing is I just felt constantly exhausted. So whenever I was going up, um, any steep incline, I would just overexert and overheat immediately. And then what happened was because it was like nearly 40 degrees yeah. was I got heat exhaustion. And I didn't know what that was because I'd never had it before. So when I arrived at the refuge, I noticed that I was just shivering constantly yeah, and I couldn't do much about it. I didn't want to quit without trying. So even though I didn't sleep and I felt terrible and I was still shivering, I woke up and I thought, oh, I'll go have a go at the summit. And I got however far I got up, realized that it was, you know, borderline dangerous for me to continue. So I made the call to go back. Sometimes you've got to do it. That's one thing I would say to everyone should have in the back of their mind is that the mountain isn't going anywhere it's more important that you come back down um and that's it um yeah. and then the second time i went i really loved it and it was an amazing time killy um killy's tough man like i i would say they're both killy is harder because i think the sleep deprivation so you're you're awake for a much longer time um but tupcal's i think steeper for most of the ascent Mm. Um, it's tricky. The only way I can answer it properly, Carl, is you're going to have to book them and let me know your opinion. <laughs> um, Andy um, just put one in here. Great answer to Stuart. What was Stuart's question again? Uh, oh, yeah, about the training. Yeah. Um, always good to get uh, the head Yeti's opinion as well. So my two pence worth, this is Andy, um, is to try not to feel too disheartened with the results of the Altitude Center. The results are based on your body at the time. That's not just the fitness, but how your body is hydrated. That can give false results. My advice is to be as fit as you can, go slow, drink plenty of water, and try to enjoy yourself. Acclimatization can suck, but you can do it, mate. 100%. I agree. I agree with Andy there. Like, yeah. um, what you're getting when when they give you almost like a number or a result, 
Um, it's based on how you are exactly at that time. So you haven't pre-acclimatized. You're not acclimatized right now. You're living at sea level, and then they're taking you to 6,000 meters and seeing how your body goes. And it's a really good indicator. But in reality, that's not how we do it. In reality, we go gradually up, 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 up. And it can take a long time, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten days to get to 6,000 meters, by which time you have adjusted over those days. So your body's in a different position. So 100% agree what Andy said. It's an indication. It's not a guarantee. And um, what he said there, go slow, drink water, and enjoy yourself. Three main things to do with any trek, I would say. Yeah. Um, let's have a quick look. There's a good one here but from Kate. Uh, thinking about Mantuvkal, um, is eight-day trek more demanding in terms of endurance compared to the weekend or the opposite? I've chosen eight days trek to be able to spend more time in the mountains, to really feel it, and also to hike second summit. Am I right? I would, yeah, I mean, because the real challenge of doing the the week the shorter one the weekender is coming down for me yeah um, because you know it's it's that final it's a long you know it's it's a long trek back to be to be fair but yeah the the, the eight days just spending much more time you know in the mountains as you said it's yeah it's so much better in my opinion um, much more enjoyable. Um, to take things in and just be able to to stop and you know it doesn't feel um as rushed but um yeah i i definitely say that the the eight days um is less demanding in my opinion what, what would you say Dave? yeah i would say so i think you're right um i've not done the eight day but i've spoken to our guides about yeah. it and essentially it's it's a more when you've got more time to acclimatize yeah um the summit is always going to be from the refuge to the summit and back to the refuge so it doesn't shorten the summit day but you take a little bit of a more more time to get there it's more meandering and around you see some lake which sometimes is frozen in the winter but apparently is beautiful in the summer so yeah it's um it is less demanding it's less intense i think is the is the issue yeah yeah um so, yeah you know i think intense is a word that i think is fair to describe the the trip called yeah, weekend um, and it takes that intensity out of the equation so you kind of have more of a relaxed journey to the summit yes um, yeah. however the summit itself is the same summit attempt that you do on the four day so you do get the full experience mm. you just have a little bit more time to accustom um, yourself to that uh, your old man has come up with an amazing name this is his name <laughs> could I be your spiritual chaplain mindfully rev tracker on your journeys he is now the Rev Tracker. Rev Tracker. There we go. That's your Yeti name, Carl. He's the Yeti name. That is his Rev Yeti name. And 100% he can be my spiritual chaplain. There we go. There we go. Yeah. That's amazing. Oh, that's a good one. Rev Tracker. That's a good one. Love it. Love it. There's a lot of people as well talking about um, um, Coca-Cola goes a long way when you're feeling knackered. Some people talking about things to kind of keep your spirits up. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's it's amazing what i always have a bottle of coke at the end of a trekking day oh yeah i think because we have yeah we had one on the i remember that actually yeah and that was yeah i don't know why it's a little routine because i don't really drink full fat coke a lot no so when i'm trekking it's like a treat a bit of a treat and at the end of every track day 100 percent full fat coke refreshing and cola bottles haribo tanktastics are a favorite yeah because you, you don't get that flavor much in most of your food, that fizzy, tangy, yeah, sweet. Yeah, just get the sugar in. Yeah. yeah. Exactly, yeah. So yeah, it can, can make a huge difference. 
oh, I like this. You, you old man is cracking me up. You know, Jane's the head of the choir, but I'm the neck that turns it. So I think what he's saying there is, is he the power behind the throne? <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> no comment. Yeah. That's, um, I, I think Jane's going to be uh, having a word. Yeah, yeah. Let's see yeah. out of that, I think. Um, Carl Coventry has asked, did you use double line boots for Tupacal? Could you hire the crampon rated boots? Isaacs and crampons there. Um, actually, no. And here's a little bit of learned advice that we've had. Oh, yes. um, so you don't need double line boots or anything for Tupacal. Um, what I would recommend if you're doing it in the winter is you do get some boots that are rated to like Scottish winter mountaineering boots. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because me and Zach both have the same boots. Actually, you bought them. We're the same foot size. You said they were great, so I bought them. Yeah. But really, they're summer boots. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to wear them because they were so comfortable. And I got so used to them that when I put my other boots on, I was like, oh, they don't feel right now. Mm. So I thought, it wasn't that cold outside the refuge, so we thought it'd be okay just to wear the boots that we brought. Yeah, yeah. And actually, I would say uh, it was a bit, it was a bit cold. A little bit chilly on the, on the yeah. Terms, I would say. I would say that weather's not typical, but mm, because we had a bit of a tail end of a storm or the beginning of one, but I would still say that I wouldn't take the risk again, and I would bring warmer boots. Like Mandel Bhutans would have been perfect. Yeah. We had yeah. the Mandel Tonales, which if you look them up, are really a, a lightweight boot. Mm. I should have bought the Bhutans. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, get some good, warm trekking boots. You don't need um, B2s or C2s. You can use a regular trekking crampon, mm. so a C1. Um, and uh, yeah, you can hire the crampons, ice axe, um, and all of that stuff from our team yeah. over there. So yeah, yeah. you um, you don't have to worry about that. But it, you don't think of it as like climbing like a high Himalayan peak where you see those double line boots. You can wear them if you want. I would say they're overkill um, for Tupacal because you know there's nothing technical happening there. The majority of the time, the temperature doesn't doesn't drop so low that you would need double lined. Like we had summer boots and it was really cold, but we didn't need double lined. We would have probably been okay with just a normal leather hiking boot. That yeah, type of thing. yeah, yeah. I'd agree with that. Definitely. Yeah. Um, I've just noticed one that's come through here from Daniela. Um, hey guys, I asked the other day, but don't think it went through apologies i'm waiting on a spine up but can manage my hikes now on meds what's the pace like on the ebc trip um so yeah it's as so with regards to the spine up hopefully that's going to go okay for you when you're doing well um if you are able to trek right now and all you need is some painkillers in order to get through the day i would say um you could do ebc the pace, as I said, is very gentle. Um, with Everest Base Camp, we're not about sort of going from A to B as quickly as we can. We want to go as, like, sort of as gradually as we can. That said, you know, it is quite a difficult and challenging trip, and it is 11 days on the trot of hiking, with the last three being the longest in terms of the amount of hours you're trekking in one day and the distance. So I think the first thing to do is do a kind of like stress test. So if I were you, I would go out and I would perhaps do five hours hiking, maybe three or four days in a row um, and see what you'll like after that. After sort of four or five days of five day, a five hour hikes in a row, if you're really struggling and walking is difficult, um, then I would perhaps, you know, look at what we can do to improve that condition to get you to EBC. Um, but yeah, that's what I would do. I would stress test it. Did a similar thing with my knee when I had a knee up, which was I wanted to 
um, go out and do certain hikes and stuff, but I had to kind of see how it would fare before I got there. So going out and just doing that would be okay. But in terms of the pace, absolutely fine. I think it's amazing actually that when people are going through something like a, a spine operation or difficulties that they mm. still think, I'm not going to just like live a gentle life now. No. I'm got, you know, I'm still going to go out for those thrills and do those amazing things like trekking yeah. through EBC. So Daniela, you are 100 have my support. And yeah, um, yeah. let me tell you, if it's a part, if it's possible to get you to base camp, we will get you there. That's a promise. Yeah. Um, awesome. Do you want to take one? Uh, yes. I'm just looking through. See. So we might have to scroll. Yeah, through. might have to scroll up a bit. Um, yeah, so I'm not sure if we missed any, but guys, if you do have a question, don't hesitate to uh, fire one in. Uh, time taken climbing Killy helps massively with the acclimatization. The advice given by the Yetis is gold. Hydration, yeah, Diamox and Pop Pole is the way forward. Pole Pole. Pole Pole. Yeah, ah, that's what you got to do. Yeah. Pole Pole. Pole Pole. Is that, is that... <laughs> that is, um, it's like. Oh, I've missed that. You know, totally, totally. Steve calls it chugga chugga. Uh, right. It's okay. just so it's gentle. In Nepalese, it's bastari bastari. Oh, okay. I've heard that. Oh, yeah, I'm so use that now. Essentially, totally, it's totally. like it, um, just to like carry on from Daniela. That's like, you know, one of the things that we do. It's like, okay, we're going to start now, but pole pole, which just means gentle, oh, right, nice. slow, take it easy. I like that. Yeah. Bastari bastari. It's like, whoa, slow down, slow down. So that's what you'll hear a lot. Oh, nice. And um, then you'll hear like jam jam, jam jam. Yeah, or like zam zam jam jam. Oh, it's it's yeah. like jam jam, which is like the Nepalese way of saying get off your ass, <laughs> move in, move on. It's like in um, Morocco, it's yalla yalla. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. which is like yeah, it's yeah. like it's uh, right. Let's get cracking. Uh, okay. I've forgotten what the Tanzanian one is. Maybe one of the guys uh, who's been there can let me know what the yeah, what the Tanzanian say. I had no idea. Yeah, that's yeah. Cool. that's good to know. Yeah. yeah. Well, you you need to read the blog I wrote. The the I think it's like the FAQs or the cheat sheets or something for uh, Tanzania. Yeah, yeah. Where I, uh, I, I actually do some words that you can translate. There we go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there is one you'll definitely know. Yeah. Hakuna Matata. Uh, do you know what it means? No worries. Like, yeah. For the rest of your days. For the rest of your days. Yeah. yeah. It's, I, I won't carry it. It's like a problem-free philosophy. Hakuna Matata. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So we've got one in here if you want to take it. Uh, yeah, that from Ray. Yeah. Um, is walking faster over a short distance an advantage on EBC rather than slower to extend exposure time? Interesting. Is walking faster over a shorter distance an advantage on EBC? What would you say? Because I've not done EBC. Yeah, I would say no. Um, purely because you, you can't avoid the exposure to no. altitude. It, it, it's, it, that's your environment. Yeah. So... <clears throat> I see what you're saying, like, you know, is is you, you know, instead of taking like such a long time to walk from A to B, yeah. if you just did it quickly and then stop, does that help you adjust? I think that's what you mean, Ray. And the answer is not really. The, the best way to adjust to altitude is to gain that altitude gradually. Mm. And so the only way to do that effectively is to, is to go slow. Um, so if you were jump like that really quickly. So let's just say you did the EBC trip, but instead of walking, um, you went up on the back of a helicopter and you just went day one, day two, day three, mm. you would get very quick very soon because your body hasn't had the hours um, to, to help acclimatize. The way I liken it sometimes is, you know, it can, say you take 
five hours to get from A to B, and then I take eight hours. Well, I've had three hours more time during the day to acclimatize to that increase in altitude than you have. And then if you do the same the next day, well, I've had six hours more adjusting to the altitude. And then the next day, nine hours more. And if you think the nine hours doesn't make much difference, then try going a day without sleep. Mm, you know, yeah. like those hours do accumulate and they do make a big difference. So, yeah, my advice is the mountain rules are tried and tested and it's the way we run our trips. What Andy said earlier, go slow, drink plenty of water, enjoy yourself. They're the three key things. Um, I'd probably add eat. Eating can be difficult with mm. altitude, but try and force as much down as you can. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Carl's, yeah. Carl's agreeing with that, I guess. Yeah. Go fast is not out. Let's get into trouble. So too many people thinking it was better for the pole. Slowly, slowly. Yeah, so, mate, you're going to be like an old hand on Tanzania now. There we go. There we go. Um, <laughs> Jerome said, Dave, you jumped to altitude when flying to Lukla. Um, I just had a notification. Um, some get hammered by that alone. Yeah, it's entirely possible. I mean, this, this is one of the things. There's no way to completely alleviate any risks associated with going to high altitude. Mm, yeah. Um, and... It's rare, I would say, but a few people, they land at Lukla, and if they hang around there, they won't feel too great. Right. I suppose there's no other way of doing it, though, because I had a question fairly recently, which was someone was asking me about Tupcal, and they were asking me about how does Summit in Tupcal gel with the NHS guidance for gaining altitude? You know, the NHS guidance doesn't, it doesn't factor in that you're climbing a mountain. Mm. It's just what's best for the body. Yeah. In a in a in a vacuum or in like a test scenario. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, but the refuge to the summit of Tupcal is, you know, just shy of a thousand meters, like nine hundred odd meters, which is way more than you're ever supposed to go up in one go. But we have to because we're climbing a mountain. So and it's it's like the same with Lukla, like getting to that altitude. So thirteen hundred meters to two seven is a big jump. Um it's, it's what we got to do and we have to try and adjust for that and account for that yeah um one of the things that we can talk about which can help is and again this is all about that knowledge to spell in the fear is that if you arrive at lukla and you're normally there for a couple of hours while the team prep and you start to feel unwell that's probably where i go i jump on dymox mm. right there and then um i just take half a pill of dymox and that would probably be enough to kind of help you adjust the good thing is when you arrive at Lukla as well, you, you back things lower than Lukla. Right. So you're going to be walking for three and a half, four and a half hours to back things. <clears throat> and when you go to bed, you're going to be lower than you are in Lukla, which gels with the climb high, sleep low scenario. Right. So by the time you wake up, you should be relatively adjusted yeah. to the altitude at that point. Yeah. It is interesting how altitude works, because I think from my experience with um, doing tube twice, because um, I know Jen, who was with us on the trip, she she was affected yeah, um, by, by the altitude. Um, she wasn't very well at the time. But um, I think because the first time that I did it, um, I didn't have any altitude problems whatsoever. Um, but going back the second time, I actually, I might not have said it actually, but um, I actually did, there was something that, that was affecting me, whether, you know, breathlessness and yeah. slight headaches. Um, no idea why it affected me the second time. Yeah. Um, no idea, you know, what, what that's about. But I just thought it was really interesting how how it can affect the body in different ways. No, yeah. States of fitness, I guess, can you know, you know, where you are. Yeah. Some, um, it can it can be anything. Like you can have like a you can have something like a little something you picked up. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like we we probably all pick up things like that don't 
manifest even to as bad as a cold. Mm. But you ever had that where, like, for a day or two, you just you know firing on all cylinders? Yeah. That happens when you go to altitude. You know, yeah. you can be rough for a couple of days. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's remarkable, like, because in our the second time, I, I definitely felt the altitude the first time. Mm. Second time, I don't think I did really until we were basically uh, approaching the summit. Right. You yeah. know, when it was, you know, ten steps, have a break, you know, that type of yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it 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 does strange. So I've done EBC. Um, four times mm. and never once took diamox or thought I needed to. I was I would say almost very negligible. Like I wouldn't even go as far as to say negative symptoms, just yeah. signs of altitude, like right. a little bit of breathlessness. Yeah. And then when I went on Kilimanjaro, not even at the summit, like I'd been higher at this point on previous trips, but um like four thousand meters, I think it was, and I just uh yeah, needed to needed to jump on the old Dynamox. Yeah, yeah. Um that's one thing that I that I do as well is it, we all should do is some people they don't want to take Dynamox. Right. And I think you've got a money spider just hanging above your head. Oh there. no. I'm gonna get it for you. Look. Get the spider. Oh right, it is on the hat. Oh no. There's not much to do there. <laughs> there we go. There, do, do you see him go? Yeah, he's gone, yeah. It was literally just lowering itself on the, just in the corner of my eye. I was like, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's to not, you know, don't don't have any sort of preconceptions about whether you will or whether you won't. Right. It to me, it's no different than taking an ibuprofen if you've like pulled a muscle, mm, or yeah. having a paracetamol if you've got a headache, or yeah, yeah. You know, I even liken it to you know, some people wear nose clip when they go swimming. Some people don't. The water's bothering you, you do. Yeah, the altitude's yeah. bothering you, take some form of prophylactic to stop yeah, it, yeah, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, Contine uh, State Diamox, doing this altitude track with my son that goes up to 4,600 meters. Never been to altitude before, so hoping he will be okay. Hmm. What do you think about I, that? I, I don't, I'm not aware of any reason why you wouldn't be able to. No. My advice, um, Sophie is to go to the a travel clinic like um, Nomad, yeah, um, and talk to those specialists about it. Um, you can go to your GP as well, but they're not always fully trained or or, or mm. fully you know up to date with what it means to trek at altitude. And Diamox wasn't developed for high altitude trekking and climbing; it was developed for glaucoma and epilepsy. So when you talk to a doctor about it, they don't always associate why you need this to go to altitude you know you don't mm. you don't have the cause that it was invented for but if you go to a travel clinic they completely know that it's more widely used now for high altitude trekking and climbing so i 100 percent think that it um can be used there are alternatives as well um apparently there's one called jinko i always call it jinko balboa or bilboa which is like a natural remedy which is supposed to help Mm. Um, there is also a vitamin called Altibit that you can actually buy from the Altitude Center, which is a vitamin designed to kind of give your body what it needs in order to function well at altitude. Yeah, yeah. So there's lots of things you can do, but 100%, I think Diamox is certainly the most powerful tool for someone who is struggling. Um, talk to a travel clinic about it, get their advice, and follow their advice. That's my advice. Yeah, yeah. Carl's saying, yeah, certainly test it on your body before you go. Um, just to see how it reacts. Um, I guess, yeah. yeah, if you have a bad reaction. But Jerome's saying that um, aspirin can help as well, but not obviously not as effective. Yeah, so there's a couple of schools of thought on this. Well, we could do a whole one about altitude. Yeah. But there is a thought that uh, aspirin helps thin the blood 
mm, and your blood gets thicker as you go to altitude. But that process takes about a month. Right. So okay. aspirin is effective more relieving the headaches and things like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so right. yeah, but a hundred percent, what Carl just said and what you agreed with was really good. Which yeah. is just take, you know, get a prescription. They normally give you way more than you need, um, and just take take one before you go. Yeah. Um, yeah this yeah, is good yeah. advice for anyone, really, not just a younger person. But if you just take one before you go, um, if you have an adverse reaction to it, at least you're home. Yeah. And you know that, you know, okay, that's Diamox done. Um, it can be a little bit annoying, the side effects, where you get pins and needles in your lips and nose and stuff oh, like that. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It's, a bit, yeah. it's a bit annoying, Yeah. Um, but certainly not as annoying as altitude sickness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. for sure, for sure. Yeah, um, but yeah, awesome. Anyway, back to sort of like the peaks and troughs. Like, yeah. so we've covered quite a few there, I, you know, and instances about where perhaps we've struggled, I think. It is interesting when you go on these trips, a lot of what you get out depends on kind of what you bring with you to these trips. Mm. I do believe that um, adventure and living an adventurous lifestyle, even if you're not going to EBC, is really good for the body and mind, I think. You mm. know? And, I, and I, I honestly think you're a testament to that because like before you started working with Revertrek, you didn't really do any like mountaineering or Nothing. trekking or anything Nothing. like that. But Andy will say it and I'll say it as well. I reckon there's a noticeable difference in you. And I can't quite put my finger on what it is. Yeah. But it's definitely more of like a like a confidence and stuff stuff like that that you get. Yeah. From going, you know, from doing that type of thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I've not really thought about it that sort of what difference it's, it's made to me personally. But yeah, I think confidence is yeah, I guess a massive thing um for me. Um just yeah, conquering that 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 summit. Um yeah, it, it is really interesting. Um, what would you say? So, I guess just to give people sort of some some form of, of advice from this, from our point of view and what we've been through, what would you say was the best thing um, for you um, coping with? Say, if you had any, um, you know, mental health concerns or yeah. worried about, you know, getting to to, to, to that point? Because I know for me having certain um, coping mechanisms really helped me. Yeah. Um, especially, I think it was you that suggested this on, on the second time we went, but having sort of goals in mind. Yeah. So not just, you know, you get into the summit, um, you know, even if it's just like that rock over there, yeah. I'm going to get to that point, I'm going to start, rest, you know, reevaluate, and then I'm going to keep going, yeah. find another point. Because um, I think, yeah, I think it was you that suggested that, and that was a massive help to me. It re sounds really simple now, yeah um, but just things like that they just make a huge difference no it is yeah and i think if you do it's a good point if you are on a trek and you do find yourself struggling mm. it's sometimes quite difficult when you're in an unfamiliar environment doing an unfamiliar thing to be able to slow down yeah your mind enough to be able to rationalize and control your 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 thoughts that are perhaps getting carried away yeah yeah so i think yeah that is a big tool that i've kind of used mm. is that you kind of have to take the reins a bit. Yeah. And if you give yourself a huge task to do, it's harder. So if you take the reins and say, okay, I'm just going to get to the summit. Like deep down, you know, that's, that's six hours away. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, and yeah. I'm worrying right now. Yeah. So a much easier thing for me to be able to do is to say, do you know what? I'm, I'm just going to focus on getting to that point there. Yeah. 
and it could it doesn't it's arbitrary how far away it is yeah, yeah, yeah. you know okay that i know i'm going that way and i just want to get to that rock so that's that's what i'm going to do and you break it down and then when you get there then you stop you take a breather you reassess you look at the look ahead of you and then you pick another point yeah yeah and and it's given your mind smaller bite-sized achievable things to be able to yeah, do take that up yeah. yeah and yeah. another thing i tell myself is that it's almost like teaching a kid to ride a bike you know is you you, you run along with your hand on them and that's me saying okay just get to there mm. and then when i get there i say you see i did it yeah but nothing happened it was okay and that's like taking the hand off you know and, right, and yeah. like freewheeling yeah. and and it's a way i have managed it a lot you know in life another thing i do and this is perhaps unique to, <laughs> to my, my coping method is i'll almost save things up to think about okay like okay. that aren't related to what i'm doing right so i love trekking and i love like i think about it all the time but if i am struggling up a hill or i'm starting to have negative thoughts about oh God, why am i doing this mm. like i'll have a topic that maybe i saved like okay what okay. suspension fork shall i get for my mountain bike <laughs> I'll just dwell on that for 10 minutes, yeah. you know, like, and it, it's, it's strange. And it's like putting a podcast on when I haven't got one to listen to. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's like, I, I swear I have like at the beginning of a trek, I've thought, no, nope, don't think about that yet. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. save that thought for a later day. Yeah. That is good. I think, yeah. Another thing that I just remembered that I did this, um, it took a little bit of effort. Cause so basically what I did, um, on the second time, I'm really useful um was journaling yeah um whether that's you know writing down or recording you know a video diary at, at the end of the day um it did take a, a fair amount of effort because you just you're knackered and you just want to lie down yeah. do nothing um but just noting down my thoughts feelings how i felt my worries my worries of what to come you just get everything out there yeah um and that was just yeah it, it did it did me a lot of good to be honest with yeah, you. yeah no absolutely i agree it's huge because like you said especially if you're the type that perhaps doesn't necessarily vocalize a lot yeah, of exactly. your, a lot yeah. of your worries yeah. you know yeah they do just sit between your ears festering for days on end yeah and yeah. I, I remember you writing down a lot and doing stuff and i'm thinking i wish i could do that <laughs> but i i honestly think that I, have, I get bored writing but doing the video diary actually helped yeah of course you did yeah yeah um, yeah yeah so Awesome. Well, I think that's come to the end of it now, guys. And yeah, hopefully that's been helpful. We wanted to touch on something that me and Zach have talked about a lot, you know, particularly on our last trip. Um, and it is important and something that I'm sure every single person, whether you want to trek or not, is going to sort of experience. So, yeah. Any last thoughts? Oh, not really. Just uh, go out there and, uh, you know, take on the challenge, whatever that is. And, um, you know, just know your mind and body. Awesome. <laughs> we'll finish on that. <laughs> Thanks, good. guys. Uh, we'll see you next Tuesday. I believe the, um, the head yeti himself is back then. I think he's back on Tuesday. Is he back on Wednesday? No, he's not. He's not, is he? I think it's Rosie. It's Rosie next week. I thought that was a week after. Anyway. I don't know. That could be wrong. <laughs> I'll be here with someone will be here. Like you can edit that in, right? <laughs> so me and we'll be back here next uh, next Tuesday. Take it easy, guys. <laughs> bye. Bye. <laughs> I'm gonna go